Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Happy Tuesday. We are live from New York City as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. At this hour, New York City has more than 8 million residents. More than 65% of them are renters, one of the highest percentages in the country. Last week, this law, their rent laws changed, and they changed drastically. State lawmakers passed legislation to keep more apartments inside New York's regulatory system, and they created new limits on how much landlords can charge tenants up front and throughout the year. This is terrible for landlords and property owners, but great for rent-controlled and rent-stabilized tenants. We have a guest here today who's going to break it all down for us. Also, at this hour, everyone in real estate, in a real estate transaction or deal, as we call it, needs to pay attention. Attention to detail can make a break, make or break a deal. What and who is involved in pre-contract signing due diligence, and why is this so important? And can deals go sideways? Uh-huh, all the time. We will discuss with the panel, but first I'd like to uh, welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. New York In the news this morning, New York City real estate players face uncertainty over how more tariffs on building materials and other goods will impact the bottom line. The ongoing trade war between the U.S. and China has created a disturbing uncertainty for the real estate industry, which relies on the latter for a big chunk of its building materials. In an article by The Real Deal, the story says the threat of tariffs and actually the tariffs themselves have been in the market for a while. From a development perspective, though, you are doing deals two to four years out, so you want more predictability and less volatility. Of course, the higher cost will ultimately hit the consumer via pricier rents and higher priced condominiums. One more element in this already uncertain sales and rental market this year. Buyers and sellers hoping to sidestep the state's new taxes on luxury residential properties have a fast-disappearing window to do so. New York State's new mansion and transfer taxes go into effect July 1st. All deals that went into contract after April 1st will be subject to the new taxes unless they close by June 30th. For those trying to avoid the additional tax burden, there has been a sense of urgency to go into contract and then close quickly. Although the buyers seem to be holding the cards in the current marketplace, Olshan Realty and Miller Samuel, two uh, companies who put out market reports, have yet to um, document a spike in sales activity stemming from the new taxes. Seems to be the market seems to be as flat as ever. And on the Upper East Side, a townhouse once owned by the late fashion designer Ole Cassini is now facing foreclosure. A Florida-based lender, which holds a $9.5 million mortgage on the property at 15 East 63rd Street, last week filed foreclosure papers. Court records show that a notice of default was sent to Cassini's widow on July 13th of last year. According to the document, Marianne Nestor Cassini missed several payments, totaling $273,125 on May 22nd. This year, the bank accelerated the debt and demanded full payment of the remaining balance on the $9.5 million loan. Ole Cassini is known for being Jacqueline Kennedy's dressmaker during her early days as First Lady. He was also known for his romantic connections to famous actor- to actresses, particularly Marilyn Monroe and Anita Ekberg. In the 40s, he married actress Jean Tierney, with whom he had two children. He died in 2006 at the age of 92. And also on the... Uh, um, 
expensive apartment front, excuse me, a dental mogul bought a 34th floor apartment at 15 Central Park West for just under $9 million a decade ago, and now he's ready to sell it. The doctor who owns multiple dental practices is listing Unit 34C at the luxury complex on Central Park for $26.5 million. Brown Why Harris not? Stevens has the listing. Why not? I, well, I thought you were going to say you had it. <laughs> I wish. Uh, all right. Well. I think Paula has it. Just saying. Of course. I heard that she does. <laughs> Paula Denunzio has it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, Is there any other Paula? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. We don't like to name names. Should the apartment sell at its asking price, Matthew? Don't we? <laughs> should, she's great. I'm a fan. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I, I am too. Should the apartment sell at its asking price, though, the deal could come out to a little under $9,600 per square foot. And the apartment is 2,761 square foot. And it has six rooms. I mean, $9,600 a square foot, even for that building. Yikes. And the former home of late fashion designer Kate Spade has been listed uh, with an asking price of $6.3 million. The Lenox Hill Co-op was purchased by Spade and her husband and business partner Andy Spade in 1999, this according to the Wall Street Journal. Spanning about 3,000 square feet, it has three bedrooms, a corner library, and views of Park Avenue. The listing agent at Sotheby's International declined to comment. Famed for her luxury handbags and a fun, playful aesthetic, Spade earned global success with her name brand she founded in 1993. She severed ties with the company, though, in 2007 and later launched a new brand, Francis Valentine, which I apologize, but I never heard of, uh, naming it after her daughter. Well, that's what it says. Unfortunately, Spade was found dead in that apartment from an apparent suicide last year in 2018. On the national front, a real estate tech startup that gives multiple multifamily landlords the ability to control their building's operational systems with their phones has raised $32 million. In a Series B fu- uh, funding round, SmartRent received investment from Bain Capital Ventures, RET Ventures, and multifamily landlords, including UDR Inc., Essex Property Trust, and Barry Sternlich's Starwood Capital. Out in Los Angeles, from modest to massive, the owner of a 1,500-square-foot Hollywood Hills home wants to supersize the pad to 11,000 square feet with an assemblage of three other properties. The applicant is talent agent Matthew Lichtenberg, whose celebrity client list includes Larry David and Will Ferrell. It is unclear whether Lichtenberg owns the property himself. And in Miami, Hollywood Circle, a resident and hotel uh, project funded in part with uh, Chinese EB-5 money, closed on a $125 million loan. The developer, a funding partner of Gold Coast Florida Regional Center, previously said that 76% of the $109 million in EB-5 financing for the development came from Chinese investors. And where are those investors in the residential market these days? <laughs> Million-dollar question. So... Uh, we are here this morning. We have um, Richard Grossman, president of Halstead Real Estate here Ooh. in New York, in the tri-state area, I should say. He is going to talk to us uh, today about the new rent rules. We have Matthew Cohen from Halstead, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan returning from yeah. Freely and LeaseBreak.com, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Matt Martin uh, also returning today from Halstead. So, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Vince. Good morning, Vince. All right, Richard, let's get right to it because, you know, this has been a big drama uh, in our city. This has been big news uh, the past couple of weeks here in the city uh, with the governor uh, signing a new legislation last week, I think. 
As I said at the top of the show, New York City has more than 8 million residents, more than 65% of them are renters. And Louise Phillips Forbes always reminds us whenever she's here how many more renters we have in this town because I think we all play in the sales arena Mm -hmm. and we don't really realize it's a renter city. It always was more so, but it, it still is now. But last week, the rent laws changed and they changed drastically. State lawmakers passed legislation to keep more apartments inside New York's regulatory system. And they created new limits on how much landlords can charge tenants up front and then again throughout the year. Landlords say the new rules are too restrictive and will not create new units or incentive for proper upkeep of existing ones. They say the changes could lead to a new housing crisis. Tenant advocates say the laws are desperately needed. They also say uh, landlords used previous rules to raise rents and make room for higher paying tenants. All right, so let's kind of break this down a little bit for the listening audience. People not only here in New York who sort of understand it, but for people outside of New York who really don't understand what rent regulation is in this town. What are some of the pros and cons of, of this new legislation? From a landlord's perspective, there's no pros to the new legislation. Let me just start off by saying zero, that. zero. zero. In zero. Fact, it's it's um, a huge detriment. It's a huge detriment. From a from a from a land, but there's a lot of cons. Let me just go over a few go ahead. few of those. What those are. Number one, and it probably affects us in the real estate business as agents the most, is you know landlords can only uh, get one month security, and that depends depending upon no other factors, them credit worthiness of the tenant, where the credit the tenant's income is derived from. It's one month. So certainly, there are landlords may pass on tenants who cannot, uh, they wouldn't otherwise qualify maybe with the solution of putting up more than one month's rent. Uh, there's no vacancy decontrol. So when an apartment comes right, that's under, big under the old system, when an apartment became vacant and the rent exceeded twenty-seven fifty, uh, from the next tenant after that, you, the landlord would have a vacancy decontrol and be able to rent it for market rate rents. That is gone. So we we no longer have that in the marketplace. So the incentive, you know, for the landlord to put money into the apartment to get the rents up and so forth is going to be mm-hmm. out out of there out of the way. Which hurts tenants. P.S. It not only hurts tenants, it also hurts small business people who were out there renovating apartments. Right. The maximum amount the landlord can spend well, to renovate an apartment <clears> today <throat> under the new laws is $15,000. You know, I was speaking to, a, to an owner-operator yesterday, um, and he was telling me that you know, he routinely spends anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000 renovating his rent-stabilized apartments, and now he doesn't have any incentive to spend more than $15,000, which means a couple of things. Number one is... The apartments will rent for less, which would mean less income for him. But it also means for the for the uh, tradesmen and people working it, there's less income from them because the incentive to 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 improve it beyond that isn't there as well. Um, and I think this is going to have some tertiary effects as well. If you look at how the way uh, real estate taxes are calculated in New York City, they're based off of rates or rental rates. If rental rates are kept low because of this of this of the new laws, you're going to keep uh, real estate taxes low. The city is going to have to make this up somewhere else, and either spreading you know, this the, the the rental rates either increases the rates rather than the assessed value, or look to other taxes to tax New Yorkers on to raise the income they need to run the city. <coughs> Was the mansion man- tax? Yeah, was Why the mansion not? tax something premeditated for that? Yeah. It, it, but the mansion tax was going to go to, to other loopholes for the mansion tax as well. The right? MTA. Yeah. Yeah. And remember that you know this the mansion tax and, and and the higher transfer fees and so forth were a little bit of a you know uh, you know the city the state because of the 
the, 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 under the Trump tax laws where the state is going to make less revenue, is looking to make up revenue in other places. The city is going to be looking to make up other revenue in other places, and they're making it from taxes. Mm-hmm. One of, the, one of the, the bargains landlords have with, with the city over taxes is, the, is you know, they don't mind paying more in taxes if they can charge more in rents. You're going to limit the amount they're going to be able to collect in rents. There's going to be a limit to the amount of money they can pay in taxes. But in addition, there's going to limit the amount of money they're going to want to put into their property to keep that up. And for some of us who remembers what the Bronx and other neighborhoods looked like in the 60s and 70s in New York City, if you don't remember, go take a look at some, some photos from those areas. Where landlords, I, I do remember. Where landlords abandoned buildings because yeah. they couldn't keep the rents, couldn't keep up with the, the expenses of running the building. Well, I want to talk about that a little bit more on the other side of the break because that is, I think, what more people are concerned about. You know, landlords are not bringing in enough money <clears throat> not only to run the building, but to keep the buildings, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, active. But also, you know, they can't they can't make repairs, simple repairs. You know, like front doors and and heating systems. It gets to be very very difficult. So I, I think there's a big problem there. We're also going to talk about illegal evictions. They're now misdemeanors punishable by civil penalty to penalties between one thousand and ten thousand dollars per violation. Like to know who. Um, determines what is what. All right, we have to leave it there. On the other side of the break, we'll continue this conversation. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back. We're continuing to talk about the new rent regulation laws that went into effect last week. Governor Cuomo signed that bill, and it is effective immediately. Just a couple of facts. If an apartment is regulated, there are limits on how much rent a landlord can charge. Previously regulated apartments could become deregulated if the monthly rent or tenant's income exceeded certain financial uh, thresholds. Now regulated apartments will remain regulated regardless of the rent uh, and the tenant's income. More apartments will be kept in the rent-regulated system. Real estate lobbyists warn uh, that would diminish the supply of market rate units and drive up those rents. I have a question, though. So for the, the apartments that became deregulated over time, what happens to those? Those. They, it's a very good question, and I actually just got clarity on this yesterday. Those stay out of the. Those are stay deregulated, and they're out of the rent stabilized pool. So if you're deregulated before, you're still deregulated today. Got so it. the landlords that came in and did the value add plays where they bought out the rent stabilized tenants and renovated the apartments with the major capital improvements and then re-rented them are going to benefit greatly. They're in a huge pole position. That's correct. Yeah. Huge. Well, Massive. I was just say one thing that I don't understand is if you bought a building, let's just say four years ago, three years ago, even if you closed three months ago, and you're expecting certain income from these, sure. these tenants and you're assuming you could renovate and you could raise rents, the values of your of that purchase of those buildings, in my opinion, plummeted overnight. I'll tell you this Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. And you calculated your numbers based on what That's you right. could do it based on the old so laws. It's so I have, unfair. A, I have a friend so who's in contract on an eight family in Bushwick mm-hmm. and he is gonna walk away from the or he's threatening to walk away from the deal with the seller to get a price reduction. Yeah. And yes, if he, he has should. and if he has to he'll lose the ten percent. Yeah. Which is because it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. The whole calculation is travesty. This imploded. is terrible. These ripple effects that no one anticipated. As someone that is rewatching The Sopranos, um, <laughs> do we think do do we think that people are gonna fudge their renovation costs and their any sort That's of cost that goes into the you know, but like the fifteen thousand? <laughs> I've been thinking about how you know because there are ways to. I hate to say this, but there are definitely ways that people could get around this under the table. Well, and and, and you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. No, but, but but as but he said, people have been doing that for a long time anyway. But the increases are so minimal that right. But the increase is based on the amount of money you're you're documenting for the renovation. So even if you put money under the table and spending money, you could still spend more than fifteen thousand. You just can't charge the tenant. So Anything point? more yeah. than that? There's no point. There's no point. Here's another interesting fact here. It says, tenants labeled troublemakers by landlords sometimes ended up on blacklists that would be shared among rental agencies. That practice is now banned. I mean, I have to tell you something. When I was doing the research the other day, I didn't realize, I guess because I always think good thoughts, I didn't really realize that people could be put on blacklists because they were trouble yeah, to they're, they're And how do you how do you label somebody it's, trouble? What do they do? It's also a really good TV show, FYI. Yes. But go go on. How do they regulate that? Yeah. It I could mean, be someone it, that just got their panties in a wad and is angry. Blacklists exist on the black market. Like like no one's going to know where these lists are. I don't know but, how they're going to regulate them. Well, but I don't either, but, but that was but my point. But it doesn't matter. But I'm sorry. I'm all up in arms about the security deposit. Me You're renting too. a beautiful furnished apartment that one month's rent is absolutely yeah. not going to cover the damage to a sofa if it's a nice enough place. They didn't factor in some of the higher end things. Also, with the late fee, it's $50 a month. I wa- I I asked to see if it could be gotten around fifty dollars a day. It is capped at fifty dollars a month. I'm renting an apartment for fifteen thousand dollars. They're gonna laugh. Oh, what's another fifty dollars a day? Oh well, you know, and some landlords count on that rent yeah. every month. Yeah, exactly. Fifty dollars a month. I mean it, fifty dollars a day, it's nothing. Something like that. I would have a much more stringent um 
late fee. And the, now that's gone. Tracy, to your point, the woman security is a huge issue. Huge. That's that's huge. the thing I actually flagged that the most. And not the, I didn't even think about the high end. That's a good point. Right. I'm thinking about the probably hundreds of tenants that with I worked with. Credit or don't right. have quite enough money, the 40 times or monthly rent. The only way or they could rent the renters. Right. That's right. Yes. The, I had so many people, they have no guarantors, they have no credit or exactly. at least, you know, minimal credit. The only way they can get an apartment is to put a couple of months up or not I up wonder in if security. we can still use insurance for this to well, pay extra to insurance. Well, well actually, we, I, oh. That Sorry, is a Richard very good question. I was question. talking about this yesterday. Like, insurance would be stupid to not suddenly jack up their prices <laughs> to take advantage of this Don't because they're going to have. I know. Sorry, but they're going to have a sudden. But, but remember, guys, under rent stabilization law, a landlord can't ask a tenant for a guarantor. So there's no guarantees under rent stabilized apartments. Right. Right. So that's actually going to make it, I think, harder for people on the margins to find the apartments they need, exactly. which I think is kind of against public policy, which is, exactly. I think this was trying to address. There might be a potential, I, I completely agree with you, Richard. Again, this is causing much more harm than good. So are you listening, government, administration? Are you listening? Can this be appealed? Can we do something about There might be a workaround with the line of credit. I did that once with a rent-stabilized apartment with a, a special needs tenant who was in care, and we were only able to get him the apartment by putting a year's worth of rent in a line of credit. I wonder if that is still an avenue that might be available. Um, That's a good I did, question. I, I also thought, okay, so you can't do the security deposit. What about a ginormous pet deposit? And that has been <laughs> shut down. Nope. I, I'm really hung up about this, guys. And there, no, right. that you cannot charge an extra pet deposit either. You what can't a, charge an extra pet deposit? Nope. It's a security deposit. It's mm. it's. Oh, that's interesting. It's called a pet deposit, it's but it's a security deposit. You're right. Exactly. Um, what about a pet fee? I mean, I you know I don't know like like know. like Matt said before, who's going to regulate all of this stuff anyway? I don't Wild. know, but it's it's the, it's yeah, a what are law. the fees? What are the penalties? Maybe it's just worthwhile to go for it anyway. Better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. What about oh, the, um, the thing that really caught my eye is the twenty dollar maximum application fee, including credit check. Do you know more about this? Is that for right? co-ops and condos too? Yes, but I believe that's for the well, that's the, that's the um the landlord, not necessarily a brokerage company. I believe that brokerage company can still charge what they're charging for fees, but that if you're going directly to a landlord, the most they can charge is a $20 application fee. Hmm. So, so for well, example, if you're going to a rental too. building, a known rental about. building, Correct. they can only charge 20 I mean, how does anybody make any money with $20 rental fee? I mean, come on. Credit checks alone cost more than that. Correct. Although it could bring down a lot of these fees that we're always complaining about, right? Like we're always talking about. Mr. Lee, I mean, look, it's the cost of doing business in New York City. It's a lease Eighty bucks. What are we talking about? Well, I, Mr. Leasebreak.com. So you know, you you follow this rent stuff more than a lot of us here. Uh, What I mean, what are you hearing from people out there on these new rules? Well, I want to say one rule we didn't mention is that there's even a lease break rule. You guys are aware of this? No, no, please tell um, us. Yeah. Release yeah. Break. Nice tie-in, yeah. yeah. nice right? <laughs> Leasebreak.com. No. Educate us, uh, No, so, well, most, le- okay, if you want to break your lease, if you want to get out of your lease, mm-hmm. traditionally, most landlords, not all, but most will allow you to get out of your lease if you find a tenant. There's no loss of income to them. There's not a penalty. It, right. right. If you if you find a tenant to replace you, that and, and usually, not always, but usually the burden of that responsibility is on the tenant. Right. However, Maybe 25 or 30%, maybe less. Landlords say, nope, can't do it. We're not, we're not even going to allow it. You're responsible for the remaining rent, or right? Or charge an exorbitant right. lease break penalty. So apparently this new law says a landlord now is obligated to find a replacement. or So they have to find a replacement tenant. They can't just let – they can't just say you're on the hook for the remainder of the lease. That's Wh- huge. Why would you sign a lease and that is a binding contract? Then just anyone could change their mind willy-nilly and the onus is on the landlord? Are you kidding me? 
The, well, uh, yeah. It's, it's not that they have to find them. It's just that they actually have to make an effort. Good faith effort. Exactly. Yeah, good faith yeah. effort. But, yeah. but, That's but, so subjective. But basically, they're <laughs> mitigating the tenant's damages. They're mitigating the, the loss the tenant's going to have. However, let's just say that it, it, the, the tenant's paying $1,000 a month and the new, t- sub, new tenant's paying $900 a month. The original tenant is still responsible for the additional $100 a month right. for the remainder of the lease. So there is some obligations of, of the okay. tenant. However, the landlord has an effort, has an obligation to go look for a new thing rather than just keeping the property vacant. Clearly, the lawmakers did not consult with anyone that has an, an iota of real estate experience. But an obligation to find somebody. Who, how many landlords are out there literally going and looking for new tenants? Like, you signed a lease, you want to leave? That's your problem. It's you signed a legal choice. document. Yeah. yeah. They, what, if they, have to, they, not if in, they have to list it with a broker right. to put it out there in the in the marketplace. I mean, that's the good put it on leasebreak.com. <laughs> no, why not? <laughs> Listen, you know, as we several of you mentioned before, it really comes down to taxes and revenue to the state, and so you know, a lot of these decisions are being made. The the transfer tax increases, the mansion tax increases, all of this now funding the MTA. I mean, you know, it's a crock of you know what. Mm-hmm. However, this is what the leadership up in Albany are. Are doing, and this is the, these are the the, the decisions they're making. <laughs> you, said you said it before, Tracy. You know, does anybody consult the real estate experts about Clearly this? Clearly not. Clearly not. Because I mean, Richard you know, Richard has given some very balanced viewpoints. Richard, if they'd only talk to you. you well, and the real estate board of New York. I mean, why are we here? You know, go to them and ask them how this <laughs> oh, is. That's a whole other show. No, 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 no. I mean, positively, they're here for Albany or anybody to go and, and chat with and ask what you know. Why are you so, doing so this? Just, I mean, what happened basically in Albany was Albany had two the Senate and and and, and the House and the and I forget what I think the Senate was controlled by the Republicans the House wasn't so now we have now we have both controlled by the Democrats and Correct. we have a Democratic governor so basically blue what wave they, what they agreed huh. to and again I'm not I'm not you know hitting you know Democratic policies but you have two people controlling it with the Democratic governor um, they basically got through things this legislation that that the Republicans have blocked for the last. 70, 80 years in New York State. Correct. So that's basically been the issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there we go. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the answer is not to get out Democrats, but to make sure that the Democrats who are representing us see both points of view and see that we are voters too. We are taxpayers as well. And we're part of this. <laughs> okay, Mo- moving on. Yeah. It is good in theory, Richard. I agree with you in theory, but the reality, this is what they showed us. They showed us what their decisions are. This is what they showed us. All right, moving on. Molecule is a complete (laughs) reinvention. (laughs) Is a complete reinvention of the air purifier, not just an improvement on existing outdated technology. It was uh, developed by a scientist whose son suffered from asthma and who was frustrated by the fact that HEPA air purifiers did not relieve his son's symptoms. As a result, Dr. Yogi. Kaswami spent 20 years developing a completely new and totally effective way of removing indoor air pollutants. Global air pop, uh, pollution is worsening at, at an alarming rate. More than 80% of people living in urban areas uh, that monitor air pollution are exposed to air quality that fails to meet WHO recommendations. Worst news is that the indoor air can be up to five times worse than outdoor air, according to the EPA, and most of us spend more than 90% of our time indoors. So Molecule replaces 50 years old antiquated technology. Molecule introduces a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecule level. Customers who suffer from allergies reportedly love their molecules. And since Molecule launched, we've heard hundreds of stories from parents, pet lovers, 
and severe allergy and asthma sufferers about how Molecule has transformed their lives. In fact, one customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Amazing. That's big. Molecule doesn't look like a traditional air purifier. It's beautifully designed. Think of it as an Apple product of air purifiers. Not only is the technology inside revolutionary, but the outside is looking sleek and modern, made with aluminum tube shell. It fits in any room of the house. So, Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. So I am endorsing this product for $75 off your first order. Visit Molecule.com, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and at checkout, use my unique promo code Vince. Thank you, Vince. And with that, we'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are here with Richard Grossman, president of Halstead, Matthew Cohen from Halstead, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Element, Phil Horrigan, Freely, and LeaseBreak.com, Niall Lundgren, Compass, and Matt Martin from Halstead. All right, so let's move on. Last week, treasuries rallied and the dollar fell after several banks, central banks around the world, continued to shift toward easier monetary policy. U.S. stocks climbed to records before pulling back amid rising tensions with Iran. The S&P 500 opened at an all-time high, spurred by speculation that the Federal Reserve will cut rates soon enough to avert an economic slump. The financial market froze, though, after President Trump said that, quote, you'll find out when asked about possible retaliation for Iran shooting down a U.S. drone. How is my my question is, how is all of this stuff on the financial side of the the, the equation in, in our government, how is this affecting our market um, as we are today? Richard, a quick update from you would be great on, on overall market conditions. 
so I think that, you know, she's going to talk about from the beginning of the year, we had uh, a spike in the market. And I think it was mostly caused by lower prices that came in through the end of last year, lower interest rates. I think most of that has slowed down at what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why we slowed down is a whole host of reasons. Number one is we're feeling the tax consequences of the of the uh, 2017 taxable changes. We're seeing or 2018 18, taxable, yeah. 18 taxable changes. We're seeing um, in New York State, we're seeing higher transfer fees, higher higher mansion taxes, and so forth. I think all this is creating an atmosphere where people are looking at our, our marketplace and thinking, is this the right place to invest money? In, in addition, I think people do expect prices will come down as we come further into the year, into the election year next year. All those things are putting downward pressure on the marketplace today. And, you know, I think buyers see it. I hear less people are showing up at open houses. There are less <clears> offers. And I think we're, we're going in for a little bit of a slower period of time. That said, from a buyer's perspective, I think this is a great time to buy. Interest rates remain low. Prices are more negotiable than they, for many properties than they have been in the past. And there's more availability. So there are more choices out there. Yeah, but I but I still have to wonder though, from a financial perspective. Be, be, I mean, you just outlined it. I mean, it is such a perfect. And we say this every week on the show. It's such a perfect time to buy. You know, I'm in a building and I have five listings um, currently uh, for sale, brand new development, and open house on Sunday yielded zero people wow. for five apartments. You know, and across price points from studios to two two bedrooms, large two bedrooms, medium sized two bedrooms. And I just, I just wonder, and that's why I'm asking the question, because everybody out there asks me all the time, so, you know, what's up with that, Vince? I mean, you know, the Z- and Fritz puts out a fantastic report uh, every uh, Monday morning. It's kind of like, well, well, so five apartments, not one is of interest to anybody out there? I don't, I, it's like, what, what's, I, what is the deal? I think we're getting, I hate to say it, but I think we're getting to a place of where we were in 2016, where people were unsure for months before the election. Um, it, it's it's different Even than the it's... the E word again. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, sorry, the E word. Um, he, he didn't say the E word. He actually least, said election. Well, he's naming names. At least I don't <laughs> say the R word like Tracy does. But, um, I don't like that word. But anyway, I, you. you know, I think in there's a bunch of different factors instead of just being the unknown that there was last time. But I think there is some unknown now. I think, you know, as Richard says, the E word comes up. You know, it is an election year next mm-hmm. year that brings up a lot of controversy in people's minds. Um, and just unsureness, um, you know, the idea that prices can come down even lower than they are now also creates some, you know, unsureness. I'm going to keep using that word in people's, yeah, yeah, in people's minds. Um, but I'm having, I got to say, I'm having trouble speaking to sellers and clients about the overall marketplace because I do, you know, I do find that some of my listings are doing great. And I'm ex- I'm busier than I ever have been, but at the same time, some listings that I really thought were going to fly and that I think are really well priced are just sitting there and having no one attend those mm-hmm. open houses. Okay, let's also go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just say let's also not discount the fact that we've had such rainy weekend True. weather for so long, and finally this weekend it was gorgeous, sunny, so perfect nice. Zero golf, humidity. perfect the day. Beach. It yes, was so perfect, perfect. And then it was and then it was the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Yes. It was Father's Day, and, and next weekend's Pride. Yeah, World Pride. It's just bad. Can't get over the Puerto Rican Day Parade. I mean, I had a walk 
worst course, day in New York City. Like, literally yeah. the worst day in New York City. <laughs> it's just well, because that parade time. blocks yeah. off the whole... I love Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's amazing. But, like, it blocks off the whole city. It just blocks off the whole city. But there are other factors than just the market. So, and the E word and the R word and everything else. There is actually just... It's the summer recession. Come on, You made me say that, really? Which there will not be, hopefully, you know, throughout the rest of this year. But I do think, though, that, you know, things will remain, Rich and I were chatting about this a little bit before the show, you know, kind of questionable between now and, and 2020, I think. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, I wouldn't be doing this, right? I'd be uh, cruising somewhere big in the, in the me- Mediterranean. But it does, I think uh, we're all concerned. Actually, it does make me a little worried that this is one of the longest economic expansions we've well, ever had. Well, I was going to say that. Go ahead. And... Uh, Manhattanites, or New Yorkers, I should say, because it's not just Manhattan anymore, but tend to be pretty savvy. And, um, you know, maybe this, I, I, I used to always hear as a broker that Manhattan goes down first, you know, so. And comes back first. And comes back first. So, I mean, if that's true, again, this is just folklore, but if that's true, then maybe this, maybe the quote unquote smart money in Manhattan, New York, Brooklyn, Queens, whatever, knows something. Potentially, but I, I personally think there's just so much uncertainty out there. I always think uncertainty is one. Give of them the- my phone number and tell them to call me and tell me what they know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be happy to share it with everybody here. I'm going to go and throw other, some other ideas out there as well. Absolutely, not just look at Manhattan necessarily, although there are parts of Manhattan this may apply to. I think we're seeing demographic changes in in, in our in our world or our marketplace. If you look outside of New York City, large houses are not selling at all, no. you know, in, in places like Greenwich and Westchester mm-hmm. and so forth. The real estate taxes Island, in yeah. many of them are very high, you know, hundreds of thousands a year, $120,000, $170,000 a year on a mansion. I mean, these are mm-hmm. these are serious numbers, number one. Number two is I think that the younger generation that should be moving up and buying today and taking out the, the people that are owning the, you know, so they can get move up the ladder in the housing and so forth, I think those, they're saddled with a lot of college debt and so forth. I think it's making it expensive for them to think about being a first-time buyer. And I think the third thing is that there also, there's a demographic change even within New York City. People are saying to themselves, we were up on, Adam and I were up on the Upper East Side uh, the other day and we were looking, just happened to pass a building, had an open open house, we went in there and the value you can get on Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue in the 70s and 80s is just amazing compared to going to other areas. So, it is, it, so absolutely. I there, so I think we're seeing some demographic shifts in New York City and in the general region, and some of it is the younger younger generations are also not wanting the big apartments. They want apartments that are maybe better designed, and they want to spend their money traveling and, and having well, that, life experiences. Well, that, that's the millennial mantra oh. that we talk about on this program all the time, in a good way. I mean, they're, they're, they're pushing their money in other directions rather than purchasing. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, to Richard's point, you know, in the Burbs, I'm shopping. My sister is looking for a house. I'm her broker, and, and you know, I'm learning Westchester. But at the end of the day, I tell her every day, there are so many bargains Mm -hmm. that you can find. The house prices up there for thousands of square feet are astounding to me as a New York City agent who sees little apartments for zillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. What she can get for the prices up there a price per square foot. It's um, crazy. It's, yeah. it, but it's it's just unbelievable. 400000 500000 600000 We We all laugh at that because we think it's nothing. Anyway, moving on. So, um, Wait, can I just touch on two things? Go, 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 go. I think, you know, the whole Manhattan's the first to go, the first to come back. I think people are uncertain with that now. I think they're not as confident about it as we used to be because of 
these law changes and these tax changes. Yeah. I think that people feel that there can be more of a long-term effect mm-hmm. with that and it not come back as easily as it once did. And we always say, you know, we've had abatements over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the abatement changes in the laws, it, how, how can our taxes ever go down? How can they can't? Taxes can only go up. So I think that I just had that conversation yesterday with a client of mine. Um, so I think those are harsh realities as well as the fact that on the younger side, as someone who is young for like another seven months, um, I think <laughs> I, I think that, you know, even though we've talked about over the last, you know, how many years, all these young people who have, you know, lots of wealth from their family, um, lots of help buying apartments. I think we're forgetting about the huge pool of people who are doing everything on their own, mm-hmm. who, as Richard said, have student debt up until the age of 40. Um, I can't tell you how many friends who are building their wealth on their own and they're choosing instead of buying an apartment, putting a lot of money into a wedding. I mean, there's so many different things that people are putting their well, money that, into these days. That was my we point never before. The younger folks today are, you know, putting their money in many, many different places, not traditionally into real estate, which we have all uh, become probably too used to, just like the financial markets. You know, when they're down, the, the brokers and the, and the financial people on Wall Street, they're not buying homes in the Hamptons. I mean, it's just, it's it's typical. But I think from a philosophical perspective, the last three years around the nation, and of course here in New York City, where we've, we concentrate uh, all the time, I think people have just kind of gotten into a head space where they're trying to figure everything out, whereas before we didn't really have to figure anything out. I mean, everything was pretty standard, pretty mundane, pretty usual. Now, every time you turn around, something else is is up, and whether it's taxes in New York or something happening around the world, and I think people are just, my opinion, it's fear. And, and, and fear stops people from making intelligent decisions a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if we could end on a note of hope before we go to the next segment, I just want to say there is still the business of every day. I'm working with a lovely family that they are mm-hmm. needing to sell their home in the Upper West Side oh, because they're moving to the Upper absolutely. East because it's closer to their daughter's schools. People are still actually going about the daily business of their lives, making choices based on their lifestyle. You should always think about resale value. But at the end of the day, there is still this real life that's happening. And we are in the traditionally slower summer market. So we don't need to get so fearful if we don't have 50 people at our open houses. And, and Irish perspective, this is a phenomenal time phenomenal to buy. Time. Interest rates are low. Cost of owning affordability is more affordable today than it's been in many, many the years. The best time to buy That's in preach. all of my 17 years. Here we go with 17 years again in this business. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. All right, moving on quickly before break. Buying a pre-construction condo in New York City involves a certain amount of risk. You'll want to qualify uh, and size. You want the quality and size of the finished product to match the sleek and slick renderings of the model unit that you saw. You also uh, are uh, being asked to put some money down to uh, reassure the sponsor of your commitment to the deal. The uh, deposit is usually between 10 and 20% of the purchase price. So my question is, because a lot of people ask me as I'm working in new development, are these down payments or deposits today negotiable? Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, uh, more than anything over the last two years, you saw – you know, larger deposits turn into more of a, um, a, of a schedule of deposits. Like people would go into something pre-construction, they would give their 10% down. And then, you know, in four months they would owe another 5%. And then in another few months they'd owe another 5%. And I think that you're seeing a lot less of that. And I, I think you're also seeing, you know, 
buyers just know that especially with what's going on in the marketplace that it's very you know strongly affecting developers and they have a lot of negotiating room all right we are out of time in this block but we're coming back to segment four right after these messages we are live from smash studios here in new york city this is good morning new york on the uh, voice america talk radio network don't go away The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders, so you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. So, moving on, you might be used to seeing Street Easy's New York-centric ads while you're riding the subway, walking home from work, or hailing a cab ad nauseum. But this year, for the first time ever, they are coming to your television screens. Part of the latest ad campaign, There's Only One City, which debuted at the start of home shopping uh, season in March, Street Easy's new TV spots reflect the hyper-local focus of the brand. Running through August in time for peak moving season, our TV ads will appear on your favorite, their TV ads will appear on your favorite local stations and on-demand channels. Now, we all have our issues with Street Easy, so Mr. Um, Leasebreak.com and Freely, <laughs> what says you? 
You want me to comment on the ad spend that they're doing? Do we have to get them oh, any airtime, um, really? <laughs> Zillow stock is plummeting. Get them any <laughs> no, people, As it should. This is a teaching moment. Well, look, first of all, my two cents is that I don't understand, you know, why people don't just call their broker. Okay, so that's a very simple comment, but it's a meaningful one. I mean, people at work are searching for real estate listings. They're sending listings from Streeties or wherever they're looking up. It's like, okay, so why don't you all go away and let the agents do the jobs that we're supposed to do, right? Well, it breaks my heart every day when I think about this because when Streetsy first came onto the scene – some brokers were a little hesitant because they created this incredible transparency where the listing agent's photo was there and you could contact a listing agent. I personally loved it. I thought it was I thought it was in tune with the internet, bringing more transparency to everyone. Mm-hmm. And they gained a tremendous amount of market share and they made a sort of bargain with the brokers because I was in those meetings and I remember and they came to us and essentially said, don't worry, we're on your side. We're not going to charge for these listings. We're going to work with you and we're going to get you know market share. And they did and it worked really well for a while. And then Zillow bought them and they went back on that bargain. And that's what kills me is they decided to do the, the they went the deceptive route in order to get more more eyeballs to get more brokers to pay for listings and they went the less transparent route. So now you can barely even see, in fact, you can't see the listing agent. It's now the smallest little link you've ever seen in your life. You need a magnifying magnifying glass. And so they have to do this ad spend. In my opinion, they have a big marketing challenge. They have to do this ad spend in order to compensate for, I believe a lot of, there's a lot of bad will out there right now. I mean, there really is. And I just want to say one other thing that I have proof that they're losing market share on the rental side. I mean, they are when, when they first started, Absolutely. when they start first started charging for rentals every day. They remember they promised they wouldn't do it, but they started charging brokers. Now it's $135 a month, $450 a day. They lost half of the listing, so they now have 50% of the listing inventory. If you're a site that prides yourself on having access to listings, and you now have half. That's going to be a big problem. So they've lost eyeballs on the rentals. And and so because of that, they really have this marketing challenge on their hands. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that's where we are. And uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I always, as someone who is in the Phil Hargan corner, um, I love, I, I sometimes feel like Phil and Street Easy went on a really bad blind date. And, and it just, and they, like, it, they hate each other ever since. Like, it's one I of my like favorite. Like a, it's a, one of my oh, favorite he's things. He's the voice. He's, he's the voice. He's the advocate. I think Phil hates Street no. Easy. I think Street Easy hates Phil because you expose them for the beast that they are. Right. So I, I actually had a friend, I had a really good friend in the industry text um, a couple of us, you know, agents have a group chat. And she said, she asked if any of us were using this thing called Agent spotlight so so i actually have never i don't really sorry forgive me i don't really know much about any of these things three hundred dollars a month but i do but but the point i think the point of it is is that i think it's so interesting and please correct me if i'm wrong about what that is but it's interesting that they had to create something that thus kind of counters what they originally did and then have like people pay for it right it's because such they an know how- what they did originally was against the law and the department of state is finally going to get their act together and call well, the account for it. Like, what, what are they doing exactly. what a wild concept things. that a corporation <laughs> it, you know put something <laughs> out there and then they had to reel it back in and then it puts something else out there that counters it and is offering you know 
for people so, to pay for so, it. Like, yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah. so no, crazy okay. to me. Okay, so, I mean, we in this room, we all know what we're talking about. I don't think anyone listening really knows what we're talking about. <laughs> so, essentially, Street Easy created something called Premier Agent a couple years ago. It's existed Zillow forever, Correct. but when Zillow bought Street Easy, they implemented the same program there. And essentially, it means that agents, it's a pay-to-play program where agents can buy up certain zip codes and when you, as the consumer, go on to Street Easy and see a listing you like, and you go to contact the agent, you think you're contacting the listing agent, but in fact, you're contacting one of these pay-to-play premier right. agents. <clears throat> that program got a little bit exposed, as Tracy was just talking about, and the Department of State is about to, or already has issued, a ruling on it. They're about to implement it soon. So Street Easy had to come up with, with another way to monetize. Um, so they introduced something called Agent Spotlight. And that program, an agent has to pay $330 per month per listing. And I've heard they have to pay a thousand three months up front. So $1,000. And you get six months of it. Yeah. So, and, and that's for six months of the listing. But still, $1,000 per listing to get all the inquiries directed directly to you. Instead your on your listing. listing. Your own listing. And well, the that's the drama. Here, it's for your own listing. Right? The irony here is that so this whole campaign – that now they're running is being funded by these dollars that agents have put into Street Easy's pockets for these programs that are working against them. Can so it, if you pay for those programs, really you're just help building the beast. I will say though, like as a as a finance economics nerd, like what an amazing um, what an amazing amazing test case and case study uh, that Street Easy is. Like here's a you know a company who became the go-to person in our industry. Like they, everyone went to them and now you're seeing what happens when you give someone all of the power. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I think it's an incredible case study. Well, so I think, oh, actually, no, so one thing I was saying, the agent spotlight, I always think it has to be said that there's another part to the story, which is even worse, which is agent spotlight only, you could only do agent spotlight if your entire firm manually post the listing so directly mm. to street easy right. this is a critical part that's like kind of a oh, no, they, they hope people don't nuance. really yeah. realize it but what what they want to happen is they want the top agents of the firm of any firm yeah. to come to the managers and say i don't i want to be on my own listing and then the manager has to have a meeting with the whole firm and be like, well, we, we can't just do it for you. We have to do it for everybody. But of course, ultimately, those managers are probably going to do what the top so agents right. want to do, which means, unfortunately, I, I fear because I've heard I talked to other managers of smaller firms, not the big guys, the small, the midsize ones. Mm-hmm. They said, Phil, we're going to have to do this. We're going to we're going to have yeah. to allow our agents to post manually. And then Street Easy has ultimate power. Let, let me just sort of talk about uh, the manual entry versus direct feed. So we had a direct feed, and we went to manual entry. It had nothing to do with agent spotlight. Mm-hmm. It had to do with the fact that we felt that the Street Easy was not supporting the feed in a way they, they should have been doing. So we felt it was we'd get better, more accurate data by going to a direct sure, entry sure. rather than having the feed. And we've actually seen that to be the case since we switched over about a month ago. Can I just say something, Rob? I think our job... Like, uh, yeah, we're giving Street Easy a lot of airtime, but I think our job right now, because I I started doing this recently and putting videos out and talking about Street Easy a lot, and I can't tell you how many people both in the industry and outside the industry have said, I never knew that was the case. And honestly, it's just a matter of us talking about it more. We have all the power here. Like, we really do. We're the ones who are directly facing, interacting uh, with the consumers. We have the power to tell them what works and what doesn't work Mm -hmm. and how to properly go about it. Look, no one's going to stop using Street Easy. It's easy. It has a lot of information. For the time being. For the time being. Freely, you know, baby. We have to go Freely. through a transition phase that people are going to move away from yeah. it. But if we can teach them the way to use it correctly so that they're not encouraging this premier agent or agent spotlight program, then it's just going to 
It's what if we crumble. just band against, you know, band around another platform like Freely I, or the the Revney MLS Revney and just say screw you, Streamzy. Thank you, but no. Well, well, for 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 I think it's also Thank wait. You next. Can I? I think it's also playing the field. So like, just like in your love life, <laughs> 30, you can. 30 seconds. So like every company, Element, Corcoran, Halstead, all these companies have their own now systems that they're using instead of Streamzy. So we need to give those people more power, and we need to give those companies that are put oh, like resource for. For example, um, we need to make them better so that everyone uses them instead. All right. With that said, we have to leave it there. That's our program for this morning. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram at at Vince Rocco. Joseph Campbell says, follow your bliss and the universe will open doors where there were only walls. And Thomas Jefferson says, the glow of one warm thought is to me worth more than money. Vince Rocco says... I want the money. (laughs) Be kind to one another for all of us at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.